It is our joy and delight to um, once again be with our family. Daniel's Bible Church, you are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And just like any normal Sunday, we love to be here. We love to fellowship with you. We love to be encouraged by you. And hopefully today you may be encouraged by us and what the Lord has laid upon our heart. First of all, Susan and I would like to say uh, uh, thank you very much to Pastor Carl and the elders for allowing us this opportunity to share with you, to update you as what the Lord is doing in our lives right now, and on this journey that God is taking us on, that he is leading us on. And that journey is to proclaim his truth, his name, in the island of Antigua. And I'll tell you later about why you say Antigua. And we are very, very grateful, and we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. We truly, truly are very grateful for this opportunity. Now, some of you may be well aware of what is happening in our lives. Some of you may be somewhat aware of what is going on. And some of you may be totally unaware. In fact, you may be in the dark. You're clueless. Um, But that is not your fault. That is no fault of your own. And um, so that is one reason why we're up here this morning is just so you know who we are and um, to update you and so you can see what the Lord is doing in our lives. So just in case, there may be some of you here that even do not know who we are. We are Nathan and Susan Cripe, and um, we have been members here at DBC for a number of years. And as of July 2013, we are officially... Missionary appointees with biblical ministries worldwide. And I say that because when we went through candidate orientation, it's just not me. Susan was right there. She went through all the testing, all the, oh, man, there's all kinds of stuff. But (laughs) evaluations, application process, it was an intense two weeks. It really was. But she is just as much in this. We're in this together, okay? Wants you to be aware of that. That is, it's, it's us together, and I am so thankful to the Lord for this wonderful helpmeet He has given me. I am truly, truly blessed. So we will be tag teaming this a little bit this morning, and um, if you want to sit down right now, I'm going to let her sit down just for a minute right now because she has had the flu for the last three days. She is um, not feeling well, and um, but later I'll bring her back up here. Okay. But as I said, our goal this morning is to update you, hopefully give you a better understanding of where we're at right now, and to answer some questions or thoughts that you may be having concerning us and concerning the ministry and concerning Antigua and the needs there. And as I already said, you are vitally, vitally, vitally important to us. We cannot stress it enough how important our church family is to us. You are our brothers and sisters in Christ. You're the local body of Christ right here in um, Daniels. You're our family. And as we go to Antigua, we are just an extension of Daniels Bible Church. We are there to represent you and ultimately, obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ. So briefly, what we'd like to cover this morning, and when Carl called me, he told me I was going to have 45 to 50 minutes. So I'm looking at this big clock down here, so I will try and do my best to to um, be quick. But briefly, we want to just um, consider why missions. Why us? Why biblical ministries worldwide? Why Antigua? 
what our projected ministry will be, and what is your part as our sending church. So first of all, why missions? You know, I could preach a whole sermon on that, maybe a series of messages on why missions. But if I could do this in about five minutes, to answer that very simply, why missions? Because our God that we serve is a missional God. He is passionate about all peoples, all nations, all tribes, all tongues to glorify him. God is seeking worshipers. That's what he wants. He wants his name to be proclaimed throughout the earth because he wants you and me to worship him. He wants all men everywhere to repent from seeking their joy in their own desires, in their own pursuits, in their own things. And he wants that joy to be sought completely and totally in him. He wants our fulfillment to be completely in him, our joy to be in him. And it's all for his glory. God is very passionate about himself, about his glory, about his name. And I want to read you just a a few scriptures because from Genesis to Revelation, you see this heart of God. You see this heartbeat, his passion for the nations. In Genesis, he says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. All nations on earth will be blessed through him. First Chronicles, sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Psalms, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord, all the earth, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Isaiah says, come here, you nations, listen, pay attention, you peoples, let the earth hear and all that is in it, the world and all that comes out of it. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Zephaniah. I like this one because it fits Antigua. The nations on every shore will worship him. Everyone in his own land, Antigua is surrounded by shoreland. You'll see that in a minute. Matthew, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Acts, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Romans, through him and for his name's sake, We received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. In Revelation, they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And we sang about that earlier today. Once enemies, now we're seated at his table. But God, I hope you see his passion, his passion for the world, for all nations, all peoples. 
Look at Ephesians. I just want to take a moment so you see this in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look just briefly at verses 3 through 14, and I will read through this quickly. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I want you to see that God's amazing plan in our regeneration, in our salvation, is for his glory. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to an adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind attention of his will. And notice verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Glory to God, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. God is a seeking God. Jesus Christ said, I came to seek and to save that are lost. Romans tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none, 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 no one that seeketh after God. I hope we realize that. God is a missional God. He is a seeking God. He is a pursuing God. His passion for all nations is evident by his pursuit of us, each one of us. If you're a believer in Christ, he pursued you. We are made in his image. We are made in his likeness, are we not? We are made. We are pursuers. We are hardwired for pursuit. And just as a challenge right now, I want to ask you, where is your pursuit? Where is my pursuit? What am I pursuing in this life? Do I have the heartbeat of God? Does it beat for the nations, for the peoples, to praise his name, to be true worshipers? Or am I pursuing temporal things that our culture bombards us with? Briefly, that is why missions. Why us? Man, that's a good question. (laughs) Why us? Why Susan and I? I'm going to give Susan just a moment here to give some insight on this. This is not a good time to have the flu, I'll tell you. (laughs) But I thank the Lord for this opportunity to come up here today. And um, as we're talking about why us, why not us? And why not you? Um, I was brought up in a Presbyterian church, and uh, it wasn't until uh, two weeks before my 21st birthday that God opened my eyes and saved me. He um, reached down in the muck and the mire, and he set my feet upon a solid rock. And I just thank him for that. And uh, in 79, 
uh, Nate and I, who were um, students at Appalachian Bible College, we got married right after our sophomore year. And uh, we talked for the, throughout all the years about going into missions several times. I remember even in, um, as the years have been, we've been here 30-some years, uh, we used to have missionary conferences. And I remember coming forward at least twice right down here and giving my life to the Lord to missions. But uh, for those who have been through the rocky, stormy um, background of our marriage, you know that um, it just didn't work out. And one of the reasons it didn't work out is because my husband didn't know the Lord. But in, in November of 2008, the Lord saved my husband, and uh, he is a new creature in Christ. And uh, the day that he got saved, I kept telling him, I kept saying, well, you, you know the Lord, you know the Lord, because I really thought he did, even though he did not have any um, help with the sin that he was in. But once he came to know the Lord, the Lord has truly um, just grown him immensely through that time. But anyway, um, we have talked about possibly going into missions when we retired. And uh, that's just something that we talked about since Nate's salvation, something we really wanted to do. But then we got to thinking about how old we're getting, and uh, we don't have much time. You know, we really don't have much time. Even if we were your age, you know, the younger ones, we don't have much time. But um, we, were, we were out to dinner one evening, and Nate said, Why are we waiting? And I said, Well, I don't know. I don't know why we're waiting. And after much conversation, we decided that we were just going to go ahead and step out in faith and see how the Lord uh, took us. And I just want to read a passage, well, not a passage, but a a paragraph from a book that I read recently. It's uh, a book called Follow Me by David Platt. And David in this book says, What is keeping us from obeying Matthew 28? Why are we not making disciples? Why are so many supposed Christians sitting on the sidelines of the church, maybe even involved in the machinery of the church, but not wholeheartedly, passionately, sacrificially, and joyfully giving their lives to making disciples of all nations? Could it be because so many have settled into superficial religion instead of supernatural regeneration? So I just want to encourage each one of us today not to... Be happy with being superficial, religious people. Instead, we want to be supernaturally regenerated by our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's hard to answer the question, why God in his sovereign plan chose you and I to take this message, this gospel message, to the ends of the world, to all peoples. Susan and I don't think we're anything special. In fact, we feel, truthfully, very inadequate many times. But our hope and our faith and our trust and our confidence is in Jesus Christ. It's not in ourselves. As soon as it gets in ourselves, we fall flat on our face, but it's in Christ. The command is there, as Susan just referred to in Matthew 28. The command is there. Jesus says, follow me. So basically, we're just willing to go. We're willing to go. I can think of a ton of excuses why I shouldn't go. But you know what? All those excuses really are selfish, 
They're because I want to do my desires, my thing, and not because of the desire that God wants us to do. Ultimately, it comes down to my heart. Do I really love God more than these? Remember when Peter, in the end of the book of John, he had betrayed the Lord? He went back to what he's used to doing, fishing, throwing out his nets. And Christ came and he was on the shore and he had fixed breakfast. And he told them to throw out their nets and they got this huge amount of fish. They came ashore and they recognized it was Christ. And Jesus had to say to Peter, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He had to say to him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And he asked him a third time and it upset Peter. It grieved him. And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. The deity of Christ, his omniscience, you know all things. He's saying, God, you know my heart. You know I love you. And ask you, as God looks on our heart, he knows your heart. I don't know your heart. You really don't know my heart. God knows my heart. And my heart is to serve him. Do I delight in him? Is he really my greatest treasure? Or do I have treasures here on this earth that, that rob me from that joy and that delight that is in him? And so, this, this gift. Remember we sang Enemy of the Cross? I had a chance to share that with two Mormons down in Florida. And take the scripture and to tell them, I was once an enemy of Christ for 49 years. Now I'm a friend. And we want to take this, that, that gift that he's given to us. It just compels us to take this message right here in Daniels, right here with the people I work with, people we meet, and then to take it to Antigua. So, why us? Why biblical ministries worldwide? And now I'll just refer to it as BMW. That's a big, long name. Two reasons, real briefly. Daniels Bible Church has quite a long history with biblical ministries worldwide, BMW. As a church, we even support um, five couples. Five of our missionary couples are with BMW. And um, Loretta Davis, her and, her and Jack, Loretta is still supported by us, and she is with BMW. Um, and then the other reason is that BMW's purpose, and this purpose aligns with what we desire to do, what we are doing, what we want to do in Antigua, and listen to their purpose. It is to serve the Lord and the local church by establishing, reproducing churches through evangelism, discipleship, and leadership development. And that purpose goes along exactly with what we desire to do in Antigua. Now, the question is, why Antigua? Well, a year ago, I must admit, I had never heard of the place. I did not even know the island existed. You know, I guess it wasn't in the Beach Boys song, you know, Aruba, Jamaica. <laughs> no, anyway, all jokes aside, I had never heard of it. I'd never heard of Antigua. Well, Pastor Flager had recently um, changed ministries, and he's the area director now of the Central and South America with BMW. He had just returned from visiting a family there and encouraging them, a missionary family. And he came up to me Sunday morning, I standing right out there, was greeting people. And he says, Nate, I found a perfect ministry for you and Susan. I says, oh, yeah, what is it? So he shared with me about Antigua briefly. And so, as Susan said, we had already been praying. You know, Lord, 
we're willing to go, you know. We don't want to wait till I retire. We're, we're ready, you know. And so we started praying about Antigua. Well, we prayed about it. We sought counsel from godly men, and we um, planned a trip. And we went there in March of this year. And now we're going to start showing you some photos of what took place while we were in Antigua. And, and, and the purpose of these photos, or these slides, however you want to refer to them, is ministry opportunities that we were looking for when we went there. Um, I did not, I'm just going to sidestep just briefly, just for a second, on um, the bulletin. When I walked in this morning, J.D. handed me the bulletin, and I thought, oh, wow, they got the Antigua flag on there. I didn't know they were going to do that. So since they did that, just let me briefly share about this flag. Antigua is a very, very small island, and we'll show those photos here in a minute. But they gained their independence in 1981. But in 1967, they started to self-govern themselves, and they put out a little contest for someone to design a flag. And this, this here is the one that won. Well, the rising sun that you see in this flag means the dawning of a new era. The black signals the African ancestry of the people. 90% of the people in Antigua are black. Of African ancestry, basically, were brought there as slaves. The blue designates hope. The red is for energy, dynamism of the people. The successive colors of yellow, blue, and white signify sun, water, the ocean, and sand. V, symbol of victory. Now, just want to just share you just a couple things real briefly about Antigua, and then we'll go to these um, slides. Antigua is, as Susan and I refer to it, the land of contrast. You are going between two worlds all the time, quickly, from one world to the other. The island is only 10 miles by 14 miles, okay? Here to Crossroads Mall, here to Oak Hill, you're off the island, okay? Small. But, okay, referring back to the people, when we were there in Antigua, the fact that that, um, you have these two worlds. Antigua is a tourist destination, Okay, so all around the outside edge, there's beautiful beaches, and people go there for the beaches. So you have these beautiful resorts all the way around. And then as soon as you leave the resort, go inland, you're almost in a third world country. So just to give you that idea. So as we are taking photos, if they see me as a white person, automatically they assume I'm a tourist. Remember, 90% of the people are black. Only one point something percent are white in Antigua. So I do not want to be offensive with my camera snapping pictures, okay? So I don't have a lot of pictures of the people because it's offensive to them to have these white tourists, these Americans, Canadians primarily, some Europeans, constantly taking pictures of them. The kids are a different story. Kids love to have their pictures taken, so I got a lot of pictures of kids. Okay. Antigua. We went to a church on Wednesday night, and I said Antigua. And there's about 30, 40 people there. I bet 30 of them said immediately, Antigua! I said, okay, all right, it's Antigua, all right? So, Antigua. It is a Spanish word meaning ancient or old. 
And this is our hope, our desire. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it. You islands and those who dwell on them. Isaiah 42.10. Just to show you where Antigua is at. It's kind of due east of Puerto Rico. It's in what they call the Leeward Islands. And then these islands drop down to South America. Antigua is actually two, two islands, Antigua and Barbuda. You never really hear of Barbuda. Barbuda is the top one. Only 1,500 people live on Barbuda. Um, there's a mission field right there in the town of Codrington. If you want to go there, you would be isolated. We want to focus, though, on Antigua itself. We want to um, kind of focus, draw your attention to this area right here, St. John's. And this area right here, we will be referring back to that later. Um, There is 35,000 people living in this area right here. And remember, it's only 10 miles by 14 miles, okay? So in an area the size of Beaver or so, we've got 35,000 people. When Susan and I went there, we stayed in a village right here. 500 people, 498 black, two white. (laughs) We had a great time in that village. We really did. I'm going to give Susan just a short opportunity here just to share real quickly, if you have time, of some ministry that she will have in Antigua. And then we'll go through these slides. As Nate stated, even though we are older in age, sometimes it's just hard to really feel comfortable um, ministering to people, getting up in front of people, and um, we're weak. We really are. But in God's Word, He says, in your weaknesses I am made strong. And so that's what we're holding on to. Um, As far as the projected ministry, my first ministry will be to my husband because I am his helpmate. So I will be um, helping him just in everything that he needs help with. I also um, don't feel like I have the gift of teaching But I do have the gift of helps, and I love to help people. I love to be in the background. So I will be a background person, and if the Lord sees fit to move me forward, that will be fine too. Uh, We also want to be hospitable to the college students there on the island and uh, other people. But the thing that uh, excites me is I would like to be a mentor. I want to mentor the women there. And most of the women in Antigua are not married. Most of them have had several partners And the children may not even know who their father is. And so that's quite a uh, ministry in itself. And so my desire is to help them, after they have come to know the Lord, to mature in Christ and encourage them to walk in the ways of God's word and not the ways of the world. Okay. This here is a church. Well, I should say a church meets here because we know the church is not the building, right? But a church, the Gray Farms Fundamental Baptist Church, meets right here. We were there Sunday evening. Very small building. As I walked in, I saw a map of the world. And I saw little pins. And I saw names and prayer cards. And I thought, this church supports missionaries? They must just pray for them. And the pastor, his name is Pastor Pat Moore, before they took up the offering, he challenged his people about their missions budget. They give $850 a month to missions. 
These are very poor people. Truthfully, I was convicted that this small group of believers had a passion for their Lord to give to missionaries. I want you to pray for Pastor Pat Moore. He needs a lot of help. He wants help. Talked to a young girl that evening, nine years old. Her name was Nivella. And I was talking to Nivella. I asked her, I said, do you come to church by yourself? Because there's houses just right beside each other, right around here. 35,000 people, remember, in this city. She says, no. I said, do you come with your mother and dad? She says, I come with my mommy. She says, I don't know who my daddy is. My prayer for her is to, many like her, come to know her heavenly father, a father that will not abandon her. That is our prayer for many, many, many children in Antigua. This is a church we visited actually Monday. This is the pastor that Carl referred to. This is Pastor David Martin. I want you to notice, well, if you can see there at the end of that building, right here, no um, banister. He had already had the foresight, this church, they took a schoolroom and they converted it to an apartment. The paint was still drying in this apartment. They were waiting for somebody to come and help them teach the believers leadership development. And we were there, and, and he's ready for it. We said, we're not ready. We can't come. And the disappointment in his face, I can't describe to you. But it was like God had already re- prepared a place. They had taken the next room right there, converted into a classroom again. Paint still drying on the walls. They had this, this, this foresight, but they didn't know who was going to fill these rooms. St. John's. People, people everywhere. Street evangelism opportunities. People selling their wares. People that need to know the Lord. These are the kids in the Christian school there. There's 325 kids there. Great kids. I got to talk a little bit about Hannah Leah. Hannah Leah lived next door. She didn't walk. She hopped or jumped or ran. <laughs> She's about four years old. She came popping over this morning, and um, she held out a little piece of black thing. I said, "What's that, Hannah Leah?" And she just pointed to her shoe, and it was a piece of Velcro came off her shoe, and she couldn't clasp her shoe, and she was on her way to school. So we got some Scotch tape and fixed it up for her. And another night, she came over and she handed me a bowl. And open up that macaroni and cheese. I says, Hannah Leah, this is your food. Why are you giving me your food? She's not talking. And um, she just hands it back to me. Finally, her mother calls over. Would you please put that in the fridge? Her mother doesn't have a refrigerator. Things that we take for granted, they don't have. Hannah Leah was a joy to my heart. This is Shaquan. Shaquan came over. Nancy, we stayed with missionaries, Ken and Nancy Kirkland. Nancy has a little library. These kids don't, English is a second language. They speak a dialect. So they speak a dialect in the home. And that's why Hannah Leah wasn't really talking to me. She knows the dialect, but she doesn't really pick up on English until she goes to school. So sometimes um, school is hard for them because they have to learn English. Well, Shaquan here, he comes and he gets books from Nancy. Again, another ministry opportunity. And he was very proud that day because they were taking their um, um, exams and he had scored 100 on his reading. 
This is um, Naomi, Miguel, and Kashika. They are here for a reading class. Again, ministry opportunities. Um, Naomi, Kashika, Miguel, and Aliyah. Miguel came that day. Encouragement to you guys. Miguel had been coming to reading class, and he, Nancy had talked to him many times. I spent an afternoon with Miguel, and Miguel told me things that he had never told Nancy. Nancy had been with him three, four years. And just encouragement, guys, men, young men, boys need our attention and our encouragement and our mentoring. He opened up to me with things that he had never told Nancy. Another ministry opportunity is, is um, being able to be in the schools. Nancy is in there and she does reading class, but she's allowed to read whatever she wants to read. It was Easter when we were there, so she was reading the Easter story. You just have to see the hodgepodge of these desks. This, this poor boy here, he's got a piece of plywood for the back of his chair. I could tell you a whole story about her. Amazing, that, guy, that child's even alive. Another ministry opportunity... After school Bible club. This is a Friday afternoon after school, 3 o'clock. Kids had heard the Easter story again. They're filling out a paper. These kids are around 12, 13. Again, it's hot. Let me tell you, it's very hot this day. They're seeking shade. This one amazes me. These are teenagers. Teenagers on a Friday afternoon after school coming to a Bible club and sitting there and filling out a paper. Ministry opportunity, folks. It was hot this day. It was about 90. No air conditioning. Susan said she would make something special for the kids. She made snickerdoodle cookies. It was hot in that kitchen. <laughs> and I give my wife great, great praise for what she did. These girls are trying their snickerdoodle cookies for the first time. They tasted. They gave her the thumbs up. She did pretty good on her snickerdoodle cookies. Susan's trying to maintain law and order. They're supposed to be singing Hosanna for Easter, but... Typical kids, they just wanted to fight with their little bald fronts. <laughs> Do you see the small children here? The older children, a lot of times, will have to take care of the younger ones. So you have kids from 3 to 16, 17 at this Bible club. Aaliyah. Aaliyah, in the sunlight, will squint. We couldn't figure out why she was squinting so bad. Come to find out she has cataracts on her eyes. And she doesn't do well in school because she can't see. She's been held back two grades, perhaps now her third, third time held back. Now, it's embarrassing to a child to be held back in school. I want you to pray for Aaliyah that, that her parents would see the need of getting her eyes fixed. One of the other little um, children told us that Aaliyah gets licks. You know what licks are? A switch on your back, your backside, your legs, for squinting in the sun. Pray for Aaliyah. I want to talk just for a minute about... The 1040 window, this is an area 10 degrees to 40 degrees north of the equator. It is the most desperate region for the message of the gospel. There's over 5 billion people now. 90% of the world's unreached people are in this area. We talked about this morning, we gave our, the Remember Those, the Persecuted Church, Primarily, the persecution of the church is in the 1040 window. And I point this out because in God's sovereignty and his plan, he 
put a school in Antigua called the American University of Antigua. Began in 2004 with nine students. In 2007, they began building this campus. 2000 there now, nations of origin 24. Primarily those countries these students are coming from come out of that 1040 window. The area that is opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are so blind in that area. They are coming there. This is a potential ministry that Susan and I just can hardly wait to get there. Instead of going to the 1040 window, which is very difficult, most of those countries are even closed to the, to the gospel, God is bringing them to Antigua. Tremendous opportunity to share God's truth with them right there in Antigua. They know the language. They know the people. They know the culture. They go back to their own people with the message of the gospel. These are just to show you that, that the students there, a number of them, large percentage of them come from this area, the 1040 window, Northern Africa, Eastern Europe, all the way through Asia. Just a group of them. This is um, probably a graduating class. These are, they are doctors. They are, that's what the school is for, uh, doctors. As Carl said, prayer. And, and um, Susan and I cannot stress enough how important prayer is. Obviously, as our, as our home church, as our, as our sending church, we talked about today about finances. But prayer, prayer, prayer is so much important to us than the money. Let me tell you why. We are at war. This is not peacetime, friends. We are at war. Ephesians tells us that we battle against the rulers. Paul in Ephesians. Against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual weakness in high places. Our battle is against Satan. Against Satan and his cohorts, his demons. And this is very, very, very serious stuff. Satan does not want God's truth to be proclaimed. He does anything in his power to prevent it from being proclaimed to the nations. Do you think Satan wants Susan and I to go to Antigua? No. He'll do what he can to stop us. In Ephesians 6, we talk about the armor of God. It talks about the helmet of salvation and the, and the shield of faith and the shoes. By the time I'd read it, that talks about the sword of the spirit. Out of all that armor, the only offensive piece of armor is the sword. Everything else is there for your protection. So what do we have to fight this battle with Satan? We have the sword, which is the word of God, his truth. What did Christ use when, when he was... Um, in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan, what was his sword? What did he use? Scripture, the Word of God. That is the only offensive piece of our armor is the sword, the Word of God. That is what we use to battle Satan. Not only that, but we, we battle another battle, and that battle is self. You know that we are freed because of Christ's offering for us on the cross. We are freed from the power of sin. We are freed from the penalty of sin and praise God. But we are not freed yet from the very presence of sin in our lives. Praise the Lord, one day we will be. So right now we still battle that flesh. Kristen posted a thing on Facebook not too long ago. She said, just keeping it real, folks. Not cleaning out our van. (laughs) If you didn't read that, go back and read that. 16 pairs of shoes. (laughs) 
Anyway, I'm keeping it real right now because we're under attack. Susan and I are. Because Satan doesn't want us to succeed at this endeavor. We battle the flesh. We came through candidate school. Intense, intense time. And I neglected my personal time with the Lord. And you know what? Self started to appear. And you know what happens when self appears? It's not pretty. I want to read you just real quickly in Galatians. If you have, you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to that. So it tells us to walk by the Spirit. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. You see the battle? They're in opposition to one another. So that you do not do the things that you please. You know the passage in Romans? I do not what I want to do and I don't do what I want to do type thing. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh, listen, this is what they are. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing. Things like these, which I forewarn you that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But in contrast, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, you know how I knew self was on the throne? Susan and I were fighting like crazy. We thought, what in the world are we fighting? And I had to think, you know, I'm at fault because I have this battle still. We battle Satan, but we have this battle with self. And I realized that I was not dying to self daily. You know, it says that we are crucified with Christ. And, and Jesus told us in Luke to, to take up the cross. The cross is death. Take up our cross and follow him. And I had to confess and realize the importance of dying to self daily. And you know what? When self is ruling, things like this were happening. Anger, disputes, dissensions. Weren't they? <laughs> they were happening. But when you die to self and the spirit takes over... Now what happens? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So when we ask for prayer, remember we are at war, folks. We are at war with Satan. We are at war with self. So pray that in our own lives that we would be conquerors. Pray for contacts. We need contacts for financial support. And we encourage you in that endeavor that we are going to be having times in the home where we will bring in people, and you can bring in people, and just to share our ministry. And um, just ask you to ask about us that later. We have so much on our hearts, so much more I'd love to share. We covet your prayers. We need your prayers so much. We really do. And along with that, remember our missionaries. It's an encouragement. It's a reminder to me how we must pray for them. In this battle, they are on the front lines, folks. They are in the ground battle. Our prayers are like the air attack. We're sending in the bombs by our prayers through the air. They're down on the front lines serving the Lord. So remember them. Let's pray. Father, with grateful hearts, we acknowledge that you are God and God alone. Lord, you have given us the awesome, awesome, awesome task of taking your gospel to the nations. Lord, this commission of going to the nations is temporal. Lord, one day that will end. But worship will be for eternity. 
Lord, we desire for many people to be true worshipers of you, and they can, throughout eternity, fall down and give you praise and honor for what you have done for us. In your precious name we pray, amen.